This is Shudders Inc. with Bruce Williams and Joe Edelman. Hi and welcome to episode 529 of Shudders Inc. This is Bruce Williams from ShuddersIncPodcast.com and joining me once again from Pennsylvania, it is Mr. Joe Edelman. How are you, Joe? Bruce, I don't know how I feel about doing odd number episodes. I, I thought I was always like an even number. What, what's what's up with that? I, I had never noticed that. Was that really the case? I, I don't know. I thought it was, but right. gosh, I don't know. You just caught me off guard there. I'm sorry. I'm good, Bruce. How are you? I'm great, mate. I'm great. What have you been up to lately? Uh, still about 5'8 and trying not to get shorter because I'm getting old, you know. Um, I'm, uh, I'm finally, finally kind of getting back to normal. Kind of. Okay. You know, my normal's a little bit weird to begin with, but um, <laughs> starting to do a little bit of traveling, a little bit of teaching, nice. uh, you know, out in the real world, which indeed is really nice. Nice. I decided it would be this incredibly brilliant thing to do to start a whole online learning community, which we can talk about at some point. But uh, that's been taking up kind of a big chunk of my time because, you know, me, I'm kind of the break stuff and move on type. So <laughs> I'm doing a lot of experimenting. Right. Trying to figure out how to really make it work, but, um, yeah, awesome. you know, I'm awesome. Mate, it, works, it works for Kevin Rose, so you should follow in his footsteps. There you go. Yep. <laughs> cool. Well, good to hear that you're traveling again. Where, yes. you, where are yes, you off to? Uh, Chicago is next in, uh, let's see, I guess about two and a half weeks. I'll be headed out to Chicago for four days for an event called ClickCon. Right. Uh, it's uh, my first time there in person. I did it virtually in 2020, uh, so I haven't had an opportunity to do it yet. But we we've got a a big new trend, and I hate trend. I hate that word, but okay. it is. It's a trend in photography events here in the U.S. Um, where everything is moving towards being experiential. So uh, I have no idea what the right number is. I'm going to guess five, six years ago, maybe. Uh, Sal Sincata started an event called Shutterfest in St. Louis. And right. uh, he basically took over the Union Hotel in downtown St. Louis. And the Union, Hot Union Hotel is very old, has an old train shed that's been converted into, you know, like um, event space and that. And he would do this two or three day event where it's pretty more, much like 24-7 shooting. Right. And, and they had speakers come in and do presentations, but tons of hands-on stuff. ClickCon came along a couple of years ago and took it a whole nother level where as instructors, you know, we can do some classroom stuff, but every presentation is two and a half hours long. And the goal is shoot. So basically people hit the Palmer house hotel in Chicago and for three straight days, they shoot. And right. from what I've heard, from what I've read and been told, people pretty much go 24 seven for three days. They, wow. they bring in about, uh, 50 models, about 30 makeup artists. Wow. And um, I think there's about 35 instructors and people just kind of go crazy. So even our big event for the year here in the U.S., Photo Plus, which used to happen at the Javits Center in New York. I think Glenn's actually been there. Right. Um, that, for the time being, is no more. Right. They're holding on to that brand name, but they've rebranded it this year and moved it. And it's called Create NYC. NYC being New York City. Yep. Uh, it's going to be held in the Dumbo section of New York, right along the, the river. And it's going to be a three day experiential. So they're still bringing in all the camera manufacturers, all the vendors, yeah. but none of that trade show booth stuff. 
everything is hands-on photo walks, shooting opportunities. So all, I, all of it's going experiential, which I think is awesome. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I can kind of understand why, you know, you call it a trend, but I can understand why it's going that way, because the whole trade show floor thing gets a bit monotonous, and once you've been to one, you feel like you've been to them all. I mean, okay, yes, there are new, new hardware releases each year and so forth, but it's generally the same experience over and over again. Yep. And the idea of putting a shoot together is certainly going to inspire people to get off their butts and show up. Sure. So. Sure. And I, I mean, I'll be really honest. I have, I have mixed feelings about people shooting in those scenarios. I, I talk a lot about yeah. people going to meetups and group shoots. And, and unfortunately, a lot of people do it in a very lazy way. In other words, they just show up and they take some pictures and they're excited because they've never shot anything like that. Yep. But they don't really invest themselves when they're there into really trying to understand what happened before they got there. Because before they got there, there was a whole lot of planning and preparation <laughs> that went on and collaboration you know, between the instructor yeah. and the models and the makeup artist. And of course, if you're trying to build your portfolio, those aren't the kind of events to go to to build your portfolio because there's 30 other people that have very similar pictures. Yeah. So you're not walking. I don't care if you're the guy that's lucky enough to get the best picture. You're still not walking away with anything that's truly unique. Yeah. So I, I really encourage people like, look, they're great events if you go with an agenda. Every photo walk, every class you're going to attend, you have to have an agenda. What do I want to get out of this? And it shouldn't be a portfolio picture. It should be a learning, a, a learning piece, something that you really want to make sure that you're going to come away with, with a better understanding of how to do it. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's what I was going to add, that even if you do come away with the best picture, as you said, it's not unique, but it's also not something that you constructed if you were an attendee to that shoot. Yep. Because you've generally, you know, been in the hands of the instructor who said, I've set the lights for F8 or I've set the lights for F5.6. And, and so you're, you're basically following instructions. And the only part of the process that comes down to you is the, the composition of the frame and the moment in time at which you push the shutter. Yeah. So it's, it's a double-edged sword. The, yeah. the people that, that are lazy about it, unfortunately, there's really not a lot of value to it. Yeah. The people that actually go with an agenda with you know the the goal of stepping outside the comfort zone trying things they've never tried before uh if you're going to attend any event with any instructor whether it's a photo walk or a class you should go in with a set of questions that you want answered and if they're not answered they should be the questions that you're asking they should be the conversations because what's great about those things you're working one-on-one -on -one with the various instructors yeah. And as an instructor, I really enjoy that because I'm not I'm not standing up in front of a big group of people just talking. I'm interacting with people. I can look over their shoulder. I can give them ideas. But if you don't go in with an agenda, you come out with not really as much value as what you could have gotten from that opportunity. Absolutely. Cool. So Chicago. And when's that? Yep. That's next up. That's uh, the 21st through the 24th of this month june Be beautiful awesome yep. get along to the windy city and meet joe if you haven't already 
no. <laughs> uh, and how's your um, your home studio space, or have you got yourself a, an industrial space somewhere else, or what are you shooting in now? No, nah, still for now. You know, I had got I had a studio space that I gave up as we went into the pandemic because my my lease came up for renewal. That was the uh, gorgeous place on the second floor with the brick walls and everything, right? Yep, it was indeed, but. Yep. You know, unfortunately, at that point in time, the rules that we had, we could go into the building as a leaseholder, but we couldn't take clients into the building. Yeah. We had no idea where the <laughs> pandemic was going. So yeah. I let the lease go. Um, at this point, I don't know that I will go back to leasing a space like that because right. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing enough traveling yeah. that I still not going to get to spend enough time there. So indeed, the home studio is put back together. Uh, in its entirety. In fact, it's about to get some fresh paint real soon. And uh, it, you know, more than does the job. Nice. Nice. Well, my home studio is my garage. (laughs) That works. (laughs) It does. Uh, Shall we talk about my image? Sure. Go for it. Okay. So before we started recording, I sent Joe an email with three images. Uh, One was an image I found on Instagram couple of months ago that I really liked the look of and I reached out to Tegan a model I've shot with a couple of times before and said how would you feel about recreating something like this doesn't have to be an exact replica of it but but in this you know general theme uh, she loved the idea so we picked a, a day where we could both get together and shoot and along the way I thought about making it a steampunk themed shoot Uh, So I organized costume hire for that. And yeah, we shot that on Monday of this week. So five days ago now. And so I've sent Joe a processed version of what will be the hero image of the eventual composite uh, and a behind the scenes shot, which shows a wide version of the the. the garage space and the way I had set up my lights and the backdrop and so forth. So, Joe, have you got any questions for me about what I did? Sure. Well, so I, I um, and I'm assuming, Bruce, that you're going to share these images with online so people can see the images that we're talking about? Absolutely. They will be in the show sure. notes okay. of the podcast. So, uh, you know, aside from being inspired by the image that you found on Instagram, uh, the questions that I would ask you, and these are questions I ask anytime I'm going to evaluate, I hate the word critique, uh, but evaluate or review someone's image. Hmm. what was your goal without actually referencing that image? We'll come back to that image, but what was your goal with the shot? Secondly, what challenges did you face while you were doing this? Third, are you happy with the outcome? And then the last one, even if you're happy, if you could go back and redo this shoot tomorrow, what would you do differently? Those are the four questions. Okay, so I I guess there was a certain amount of emulation of the inspiration image, hence the fog. The steampunk theme obviously was my own personal twist on, you know, the inspiration. What did I want to achieve? I guess I'm, you know, I was trying to get, <laughs> I guess, something that was well lit, something that had a bit of three-dimensionality to it that didn't appear flat. I'm not a fan of... Um, you know, flat lighting, hence the, the, the way I had set my lighting up. Uh, so I had a 
studio head with a softbox, a 60 centimeter softbox to camera left, uh, which if you look at the behind the scenes shot, you can see yep. that on the left with a FlashWave 3 receiver attached to it. Uh, so that was being triggered from the FlashWave trigger on my camera. Then I had an, a second studio head with a homemade snoot, which was a, essentially a cardboard box that I chopped up and turned into a snoot. And uh, I, I put just the small maybe one inch hole in the front of the cardboard to really focus that studio head into a small spot. And that was positioned in such a way as to illuminate the clock face. I then had a sec, uh, sorry, a speed light on another stand uh, to camera right, same as the um, snooted studio head that was camera right. Uh, the speed light was firing at Tegan from camera right. Uh, and again, that had a just a, a wrap on it acting as a snoot to limit the spread of that light, to just to light Tegan up from the right-hand side. And then I had a fourth light. This is a PB for me, four lights in one shot. Another speed light on a small Manfrotto tripod sitting on the ground behind Tegan. And that was to backlight the fog. Uh, one of your questions was about what challenges did you encounter? And when I first started introducing the fog, uh, I just had three lights set up, the first the first three lights. And I was looking at the images on the camera and I'm going, why can't I see the fog? You know, the fog is almost indistinguishable from the black backdrop. And then it occurred to me, it's like, ah, I need to backlight the fog, uh, and hence why I introduced the second speed light uh, down on the ground behind Tegan, firing up behind her uh, to backlight the fog so that the fog would stand out against the black backdrop. Other challenges, really just getting getting the lights into the position that you know worked for the image I was trying to get. When you look at the inspiration image, the clock that the girl is holding is quite a bit smaller than the clock I had, <laughs> which is a, a big wall clock. Hence why I went for a, a different pose from what was in the inspiration image. If I had had Tegan actually hold my wall clock, then pretty much all of her costume would have been obscured uh, in the shot, uh, which would have sort of rendered the theme a little bit pointless. Uh, so I got a bucket. It was like a 20-litre bucket, upended that, threw a curtain over it, which is the uh, the cream fabric you can see on the ground, and basically had her put, you know, one foot up on the bucket and then, you know, lean the uh, clock against her leg in front of her. That seemed to me to be the best way to incorporate the clock into the shot without you know completely hiding her costume okay uh what were the other questions are you happy with the outcome and if you could do it again tomorrow yeah what would you do differently in in, in any way shape or form okay what, so whatever aspect i i am happy with the outcome okay i posted this processed version that you're looking at uh, onto the dark table group that I manage on Facebook. And as I said, at, at, you know, when I posted it there, I said, you know, if you get it right in camera, you shouldn't need to do a whole lot of processing. 
the post-processing on this image took me about two or three minutes. There really wasn't a lot that I had to do. And, and, and what I did was basic, you know, crop, slight exposure tweak because of another module that I use in um, Darktable called Filmic RGB, you know, which I use to apply a little bit of contrast. And then there's a color balance RGB module, which I use to just give the colors a little bit of a pop and that was pretty much it there wasn't really anything else that needed to be done in my opinion now you may have a different opinion of that and i'm happy to hear it Mm -hmm. but generally yes i am happy with the way the image came out if i could reshoot it Mm -hmm. to be honest i don't know what i would change i think i i'm happy with the the way it came out and i i cannot think of a way that i would improve it uh but that doesn't mean that there isn't improvement to be made that's just a limitation of my experience so yeah so now can you give me a sense of uh, are you adding more to this shot like in terms of compositing so where do you imagine this going from what i'm seeing now right so what i imagine is that it will end up being probably a, a 16 by 9 landscape orientation composite with that hero image in the middle and you know some of the various other shots that uh came out of this sh- whole shooting experience uh composited into you know uh, <laughs> a, a mixture of images within the ones something along the lines of the inspiration image so there will be multiples of her in the shot, or are these other pictures pieces of her costume? Well, it'll it'll be mostly close-ups. It won't be any other full-length shots. Okay, but but there will be multiples of her. Yes. Okay. Okay. That's the idea. Cool. <laughs> All right. So, what feedback would you like most from me? Uh, Especially since the only reason I'm starting there is since I'm not actually seeing the finished image, I'm kind of trying to imagine where this is going, and I don't want to. Okay. I don't want to get too nitty gritty on just this piece of it. Oh, okay. Well, I was happy for you to get nitty gritty on just the single image. Uh, okay. I, I guess I, I, I would love to know if if this had been you shooting it, mm-hmm. and and let's put it on the table right from the outset. This is a. a I think a fairly different style from the style in which you generally shoot. Yeah. But but if you were shooting something in this style, would you have done anything differently? Yeah. Okay. Um, so let me start with the image that you use for inspiration. And, and these are things actually that I think can help you as you put your composite together. Okay. Okay. So it's not that your picture's bad or there's anything wrong with it. There are one or two small things that are kind of a big deal for me, but they don't have to be a big deal for you. And beyond that, it's really just a matter of taste, right? But okay. one of the things I want to point out to you, or a couple of things I want to point out to you about your inspiration image. Mm-hmm. If we take a really close look at that image, number one, the girl is not wearing any kind of costume. And I totally understand you, you know, sure. you kind of went from this to the steampunk and that's cool. But when we look at the image, one of the things that this photographer has done really well is really used up all of the space in the image. The only part of the image space-wise that kind of really bothers me is the upper left-hand corner. Like I almost feel like they purposely left 
extra space there to win the award. Like, <laughs> why is there nothing there? When you look at the rest of that image, yeah. they have really successfully used every inch of real estate. Sure. Except that far upper left-hand corner. I'm a big fan of eyes. I'm not a big fan of the eyes in obviously the inspiration image, and I'm not a big fan of the eyes in your image. And I'll point out why. Okay. The other thing that really drives me insane about the inspiration image, mm-hmm. insane, is just the sloppy, messy hair. And it's not that the <laughs> hair needs to be perfect, yeah. but I just really don't feel that that adds anything to it. But I also want to point out one other thing that I'm going to hope that you noticed, or I'm assuming that you noticed. The inspiration image wasn't done with smoke. It was done with an overlay of clouds. clouds. Yeah. Okay. So, so all of that's post-production. Yes. Right. Uh, and I point that out only because as we look at your image, one of the problems that you're going to run into, which is totally workable in Photoshop though, hmm. uh, or dark tables, you're doing it. I would assume as you extend this to a horizontal 16 by nine, you're going to have a hard straight edge on the right hand side of where this ends, where your smoke stops. So you're going to have to piece some edging or something together to mask that. Maybe you're going to have to put another one of her over that gap so that you can blend it out effectively. But I do think that kind of as we see in the inspiration shot, there would have been some value to having some smoke in front of her. So I would actually encourage you as you build your composite to consider using some overlays. And and actually adding to the smoke that you've started with. Well, here's the thing: I I I, I own the fog machine. Uh, well, well, actually, I own I, one too. I, but I, will, I, do my I will best apologize to, never to use. Lee Gatland because it actually belongs to Lee Gatland, and he loaned it okay. to me a few years ago and hasn't asked for it All back. Right. Um, <laughs> so I, I've still got. I should say I still have the fog machine. Uh, mm-hmm. So it would be quite simple for me to go back down into my garage set the backdrop up and simply shoot a couple of images of just fog against the black backdrop with the yep. backlighting. And then I yep. would have that to use in the composite. So that's yeah. certainly doable. Yeah, you, can, you can definitely do that. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think that's also going to give it a little bit more depth and a little bit more moodiness. Right. I'm one of those people when I shoot stuff that's character oriented, it's hard to do costume pictures right and make them really really amazing unless the costume is extremely expensive mm-hmm. extremely detailed in other words extremely amazing yeah so i tend to take the approach of i want to give the illusion in this case that it's steampunk but mm-hmm. i don't have to prove that it's steampunk it doesn't have to have every little detail of a steampunk image for me so like honestly for me below the corset that she's wearing the the fishnets and the dress really don't do much for me okay i'm not a fan of the way the outfit kind of gaps it's like you know there's a full triangle over her right breast camera left Mm -hmm. but then it's kind of almost like falling off on camera right yeah we did struggle with that. Right. It's kind of one of those things. It's like, if we're going to work with a costume, we either need to really work with the costume or we need to kind of mask the flaws. Right. I'm all about protecting eyes. So obviously in the inspiration shot for me, I would have done it with the eyes open sure. and I would have wanted the girl staring straight at the camera. In fact, if you go back and look at that inspiration shot, yep. imagine that girl, no affect, just the dead expression like she has, mm. but staring straight 
straight into the camera lens, that creates a challenge for the viewer. Right. There's all this interesting detail that makes you kind of think like, what is this? What's going on? But yet you're stuck staring at this beautiful young woman. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's really, really strong and really powerful. So you've got an equally as beautiful model. Yes, you've got her looking at the camera, but her left eye is kind of stuck in a valley. Or yeah, her left eye, camera right eye, sorry, is stuck yep. in a valley between a really big shadow on her nose right. and her hair, which is really far forward. Right. So I would have been inclined, and I do light very commercially, so I'll own that right up front, but I would have been, <laughs> been inclined to bring the light around a little bit more to the front. But if I wanted the moodiness, which I realize you're after, I would have gone kind of up and higher. And then the, the only other piece is, um, since I picked on the hair and the inspiration shot, in your shot in particular, I would have put all of her hair, I would have pushed it behind her shoulders so that I could see the detail with the necklace that she's wearing, right. with the straps to, to actually go ahead and see a little bit more of the costume. And I would have used more of the little gears uh, glued onto her face. Yep. And instead of having them kind of up along the edge of her eye, where they fall into the shadow of the hat, because you have your light placed back and high, mm -hmm. I would have actually put them down on her cheek. Right. And and done the pattern below the eye yeah. on the cheek. So it, it's kind of subtle things, you know, it, it's, it's small things in that sense. But yeah, I think honestly, for me, really the, the biggest thing that I would have done differently is I, I would have raised the clock higher right. uh, and just kind of masked the bottom of the outfit because steampunk is all about detail, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, everything about steampunk is detail. It's industrial. Yep. The below the corset in her outfit, it's not industrial. Right. So that would have been kind of my, my big change, you know, in, in that sense. But I would be very excited to see kind of where you're going to go with it, how you're going to put the pieces together. And I, I do think you have a lot of opportunity. And, you know, the only big recommendation, like I said, I, I would actually encourage you to add some more smoke along the way yep. to create kind of that sense of depth. And keep in mind, too, that you could have a lot of fun with that smoke. You've got just a hint of blue tint in that smoke. Did you gel the smoke or no? No, I, don't, I, I okay. actually made the comment to Tegan at the time that we were shooting. I was like, mm -hmm. I did not understand why there was such a blue tint to that smoke. Right. Now, well, it so might here's be the beauty that it's of it. Consider to yourself do, lucky. It might be something to do with the chemical composition of the fog. I don't and, know. And it very, very well could be. But here's the beauty of that, right? Mm. So... You can, in post-production, very simply pull the, the blue hue out and you're going to have white smoke. Yep. Or you could recolor it. You could grab the blue hue and you could start turning that smoke into varying colors. And then as you start to add your overlay images of smoke, assuming that it's going to wind up with the same blue tint when you shoot it, mm -hmm. you could even have various different tones and colors yeah, of right. smoke throughout yep. the shot. Uh, and what I would encourage you to do then is instead of going with colder colors, steampunk tends to always be very warm and earthy. Yep. Right. So I would want to grab those hues and I would want to move them more towards the yellows and the reds and get kind of the orangey and the burnt orange tones in yep. there. Um, and then you're you're really starting to add kind of more of that uh, mood of, you know, that century and that time period yep. to the shot. So having that little bit of blue actually does you a favor 
because it gives you the ability to really play. With, you, know, it'll, you could take it out super easy if you just decide you want it white. But because there's a color there, you can adjust that. And that color doesn't appear anywhere else in your shot. No. So you can just go ahead. You're not going to have to mask it. You're not going to have to do any really detailed work to change it. You just have to grab a hue slider and start moving it. Yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah, so I think it's cool. Some... We need to see the finished product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that that's going to be a, a little way off, simply because um, five uh, six days from now, I actually head off to Western Australia to bury my dad. Uh, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. That's that's okay, mate. He died in August of last year, and the. Uh, right, you Premier, guys have had the, all the travel issues. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So the Premier of Western Australia had the state of Western Australia just locked down so tight that no one could get in or out. The borders opened up in February and I wasn't prepared to, you know, try and book a flight straight away because I didn't know whether he'd, mm-hmm. you know, do, pull the same stunt again. Um, right. And so this has now been the first opportunity for me to get over there. So I'm flying over there next Friday. The funeral will be on the Sunday. And then uh, I've inherited my dad's car, which I'm going to keep. And I'm driving that back from Western Australia oh, wow. to New South Wales, which is a 3,700 kilometre road trip. So, uh, and to very quickly do the maths on that that'd be something like about 3200 miles um yeah so so i'm going to be gone for a a week or so uh Mm -hmm. i don't know if i'm going to have any time this in these next six days to work on this composite if i can Mm -hmm. i certainly will but if not then it will be something i will finish off once i get back so but yes i am looking forward to it and you've given me you've just you know whilst you were talking there a couple of minutes ago I was thinking you, you you used the word industrial, and it reminded me that I have a detail shot, a close up shot of the side of a steam train that I shot about eight years ago, and I was just thinking that could make a really good uh, background that could be uh, sort of melded into this composition. So I may uh, may dig that out and reprocess that yep. accordingly as well. So yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's actually, it sounds like it would be really cool. In a perfect world, it's worth pointing out to people when you want to do background composites, it's always helpful to have the background figured out before you shoot the image. Sure. Um, but hey, you know, I'll take a happy accident any day, right? Sure. I mean, you just don't want to rely on those all the time. So yeah, when yeah. I, I, most of my compositing, I've got the background sitting on a computer screen or the last couple of years, I've actually had it on a television screen that is the background. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. And, you know, and done it that way, so. Well, I should I should state right from the outset that the image I've got in mind uh, of this train that I shot, mm-hmm. if I composite it into the background, it will not be in a way as to make it look like she was standing beside the train because the angles right. are all wrong. Right. It would simply be a, a texture piece. Sure. Cool. So, yeah. Very cool. Cool. Yeah, I'll give you credit for using the smoke machine. I I avoid them like the plague, only because they're very unpredictable. So of course, uh, I mean it. It's always kind of it's a great idea until you're doing it, and then it's like, 
it just you know, it, it won't cooperate. So, so um, if you look yeah. at the behind the scenes image, you will notice mm-hmm. that lying on the ground is a yep. reflector still in its case. And yep. I was actually you were probably using that to wave the smoke out of the way, weren't you? <laughs> you got it. Yeah. Well, not Been to wave it that. out of the way to wait to wave it into the shot. You know, because oh, the, okay. the fog machine was off. You know, on the ground there uh, right. on, at camera right. And at first I was, you know, simply firing the fog and just letting it, Mm -hmm. you know, do its thing. And I, I felt in the first couple of shots that the fog wasn't lifting enough. It was staying close to the floor. Uh, And so then I thought to myself, okay, what have I got around here in my garage that I can use to fan the fog just to get it in motion a little bit? Uh, and to and to lift it up off the floor and so i I saw my reflector and thought yep that's perfect so (laughs) that's what i was doing so i'd I'd fire the fog pick up the reflector give it a quick wave drop the reflector pick up the camera (laughs) jump back into the shot the good thing is that the fog moves fairly slowly so you you did actually have time to do all of that and then pick up the camera recompose and fire so (laughs) Mm -hmm. so now do you guys down under do you have a product that's very popular here in the u.s it's called atmosphere aerosol have you ever seen that i have not heard of that it is smoke in a can so uh it's in a spray can like it looks like a bottle of hairspray really um you can you can google when you get a chance just google atmosphere aerosol right and that has become very very popular here in the u.s because literally it's like basically pick up a spray can and then you can you know spray smoke in a space where you want it yeah and it will hang in the air for a few minutes yeah to be able to get your shot now it's still a bit of a different texture than what you're going to get out of the machine right but you can actually control it a little bit more you do have to be careful. I've never tested this aspect of it, but they have huge warnings on the cans that, that the stuff is highly flammable. So they're like, do not use it near heaters, open flames, <laughs> you know? And so like in my, in my home studio, I I've never used it here because next space over from my studio is where the heater is for the house. <laughs> but, uh, but I've used it. I've used it on location. I've used it. it you know, in um, in the bigger studio that I had that was in the old factory, yeah. uh, and the stuff actually is is awesome. It just it gives you it gives you a little bit more control. So I don't I don't okay. know if it's made its way to Australia yet, but I I'm pretty sure they have it in Europe by now. But I don't uh, know if it's available. Look, Europe. I'm sure the theatrical companies would be across all that. So there's bound to be right. someone who supplies a similar product, if not the same product. So yeah. yeah. Since 2005. Shutters Inc. has been a labor of love, but beyond the time required to produce it, there is also a financial commitment. If you find value in the podcast and would like to help keep the servers running, hit up the Patreon link, which is in the show notes. Even a couple of dollars a month will help. Much appreciated. Now, back to the podcast. So tell us about your new website. So, um, well, I I mean, it is a website, but it is um, called the Tog Knowledge Learning Community. Nice. And basically it's, it's, uh, it's a bunch of stuff. So right out of the box, people are always like, what the hell is Tog knowledge? <laughs> um, Tog knowledge, um, the way that, that I like to describe it, it is the knowledge that you gain with a camera in your hand. So it's kind of like Tog knowledge is, is where the rubber meets the road in the sense that you have picked up your camera and you're going to take all of that reading 
video watching, classroom taking, all of that stuff and actually start to put it to use. Because the reality yeah. of it is you can read all the books you want. You can take all the classes you want. You can watch all the videos you want. And you still don't know squat yeah. until you pick up a camera and just screw stuff up. Yeah. Period. Nor do you get the satisfaction of having actually attempted well, it. Even if you fail, there, at least you... At there least is that too. <laughs> yeah. Right. So Todd Knowledge, the community, came about um, because if you remember, uh, we're probably going on eight months or so ago now, I uh, was briefly banned from Facebook. Oh, that's right. Um, one of their <laughs> new security bots uh, didn't like a couple of my posts and... Uh, banned me and I hold no ill will. I'm glad that they're they're doing what they're doing, but that also means that while those things are learning, they make mistakes. Yeah. Part of what that taught me is wow, like myself and many other, not just photographers, but businesses, we are building major pieces of our income reliant on websites that we have no control over. In fact, yeah. we barely own the content that we're creating there yeah and to just you know get locked out and not to mention i'm sure you know most people understand that if you're a member of a facebook group or any of that kind of stuff most facebook groups even the good ones are still a little bit dubious in terms of the quality of education that happens in terms of the fact that you're still going to deal with a certain amount of trolls entering the community and and part of the reality is is people just tend to forget that when they're typing something bluntly on their phone or computer screen, that there's a human being that's going to receive it. Yeah. So I had had the idea for a while. It's like, you know what? It's time to start looking for a way to build a community outside of Facebook. And, you know, I've got 10.3 thousand members in my Facebook community. And just like a typical Facebook community, that doesn't mean I have 10.3 thousand members that are active. They're doing things. There's tons of lurkers. So I figured, great, I want to find the people that are really, really interested in learning. And I'm going to move them into this new community. And we're going to steal some things from social media, but it's really designed to promote the sense of community. So the things that make it different from a Facebook group, um, simple things like when you first sign up, you not only have to upload a profile picture, but that profile picture has to be a close-up of your face so that we can actually see you, see what you look like. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to provide a link to either an Instagram profile or a website so that when you comment on someone's photograph or if you ask a question or if you have something to say about anything, somebody can click on your profile, go look at your images, and then they have a sense of what is your level of experience and what do you do yeah. when they're either reading your comments or whether they're commenting to help you. Yeah. We do weekly video meetups. Cameras are a requirement for those meetups. You can't have, and they're on Zoom. You can't have your camera turned off. You can't do it from your car where you can't pay attention. You've got to be there. You've got to be present and you get to know people. I've built in a lot of really cool technology into the platform. So if you're the type of photographer that loves to go check out like Petapixel and F-Stoppers and PDN online and all of them, I have resource feeds that dump into my community. So you can get all of your photo news from, uh, let's see, which are all the websites here, Petapixel, DIY Photography, F-Stoppers, Photo Focus, DP Review, SLR Lounge, PDN Align, and Pop Photo, and Shutterbug. Any nice. news that they post, any articles they post appears in my community within five minutes of them posting it on the blog. So awesome. instead of having to go to all those different websites, 
photographers can stay in the community, find the article, and it's completely legal. I'm not stealing their content, by the way. They yeah. they give me the RSS feeds for the content. Yeah. Um, I have another section set up for um, you know, gear information. So I keep all the gear information separate. So I actually filter all of those articles coming in for people that want the gear reviews and want all that kind of stuff. We have a, a channel called the Gear Basement, and that's where all that is and all the gear conversations, you know, live. But uh, all the photo news from all those blogs, it's filtered. So all you get is the photo news, the how-to articles, but no gear information. And I do cool. image reviews similar to what I just did with you, where mm -hmm. in order to post a picture, people have to tell me, why'd you take the shot? What was your goal? Did you accomplish the goal? Are you happy with it? And most importantly, if you could do it again, what would you do different? And we have a, a photo share channel, which... I'm not a big fan of, but people love it. So it's staying. <laughs> and literally what it was, one, a person suggested me, this to me when I started the community. And I kind of rolled my eyes like, uh, you know, look, I don't want a channel where people are just dumping pictures and bragging. And it's like, oh, look at this. Because most of the time when that happens, the pictures that they're bragging about, they're just keeping it real, folks, but they're not really good. So this person actually made a great argument for it. And I thought, okay, let's give it a try. And of course, never fails. It is the most popular part of my community. <laughs> In part because a lot of people come into the community and they see a lot of great photographers and they're afraid to post the work. So the PhotoShare channel is a love-only channel. No critiques allowed, no feedback allowed, no suggestions allowed. And you're not allowed to ask for suggestions. It's literally just a kind of look what I did channel. Photographers are encouraged to at least give us a little bit of a story behind the picture. Maybe tell us how you did it, but no negative feedback. And the great part of it is, is that I literally not a day goes by where I don't hear from somebody that's new to the community. It's like, you know, I've always been afraid to post pictures. This is the first time I've ever posted a picture online in a photography space. And it's awesome. The feeling of people saying, Hey, that's great. Or I like the way that you did this, or I like the way you did that. And I know I have to improve it. I know it's not great yet, but it's really awesome to get that kind of feedback. So it's turned out to actually be a really great piece of the, you know, the community. Another thing people have a lot of fun with, we have a channel where every day a new photography quote by a famous photographer gets posted. And then uh, people are challenged to find an image that they have. And they're, they're allowed to go dumpster diving through their old files, <laughs> find an image that they have that essentially illustrates that quote for them. Nice. When they post the image uh, underneath the quote, they're not allowed to tell us why or, you know, make a comment about it. Give it a It's just put up the image. Here is your interpretation of that quote. Uh, and it's been really fascinating to, way, to see how different people interpret various quotes differently nice. along the way. So yeah, so it's, um, you know, as I tell people, it's like, it's, it's not for everybody. I'm a big believer. Learning requires effort and, and watching YouTube videos. That's not effort, folks. Sorry. No. It's not. Learning requires effort. And if you are antisocial, that's a shame, but I understand that that's your choice. You don't want to be in a community like this because the software and everything that I'm using, it also gives me the ability to check to see how many times a person has posted or commented or interacted. So twice a year, I am purging people from the community. If you're not participating, yep. then you know, you're just taking up space. Fair enough. So I'm not trying to build the world's largest photography community. It is for photographers who are looking to improve. 
And my hope is that everybody that joins the community, I don't know, a year, maybe even six months or two years or three years down the road, they'll outgrow the community. And then it's time for them to be purged because they have gotten their photography to a level where, you know, they are much more confident. They have a much better foundational skill set behind what they're doing. And they have learned through what I'm trying to do with the community, how to learn on their own yep. without the nudges and the pushes. So that's, that's really ultimately the goal. It's just like I do my photography, Bruce. If everybody's over on one side, I'll be over in the corner on the other side doing something completely <laughs> different. And it may not be the best. I'll never say it's the best, but it's going to be different. And, you know, I'm going to try things. And for me, it is, it's that quest. I, you know, I put a lot of effort into education. So it's my quest to find the best, most effective ways to be able to help people improve their photography. Man, that's awesome. Uh, I think you got some Thank great, you. great so guidelines it's, it's there. Been, great. It's been a great learning experience. Fortunately, I'm just enough of a nerd that I, I'm <laughs> enjoying even understanding the psychology behind how do I get people to participate and how yeah. do I really connect with people. And, you know, everybody knows, especially the people that have been from the get-go, they know it's kind of a, a grand experiment. Yep. And they're very excited by that because they're also helping me to, you know, to shape it. As much as I'm not a big fan of people sharing their opinions... Mm -hmm. about somebody else's photos yeah. i have spent a lot of time you know asking group members for opinions about things we're trying how it impacts them what their takeaway is that kind of stuff and so people are really enjoying the fact that they're they're part of the experiment that we're we're building here and we're kind of learning you know learning as a group so it's a very awesome. structured community it's got a very clear mission mm -hmm. but uh so far so good We'll see. Well, mate, I wish you all the best with it. That sounds fantastic. Thank you. So, how can people uh, get a get in on this if they, uh, you know, do want to be active and social with the Super other simple. photographers? Um, you can go to www.tog tog knowledge. So you put it together as one word: tognowledge.com. And uh, that'll actually take you to a page that's on my website, but that's a lot shorter than giving you the whole address from the website. Uh, you'll be able to watch a little video that's me kind of explaining the, the community, showing you a little walkthrough of it, tells you a little bit about the community, and um, it has a link there that you can join. And it's worth pointing out also that um, we're only about two months into the community. It is completely free. It's going to stay free forever. So unlike a lot of these kind of communities that build up off of Facebook, it's not a funnel to get you to spend money, but full transparency I will be offering some online webinars. I do have a mentoring program, but if you go to the community and spend five minutes, you'll notice there's no advertisements. There's no marketing. I don't push that. Just like when I talk to you or when I'm on YouTube, I mentioned that I'm doing them and I show people, here's my calendar. If you're interested in learning, this is where you're going to go sign up and this is where you're going to do it. But um, I will be adding you know, more educational opportunities into the group. But the goal is to keep the group free and to have plenty of free opportunities for people to be able to learn and improve. And I think probably the coolest piece of feedback I've gotten so far, I have a little feature in the group called matchups every two weeks on a Monday, it randomly takes every member of the group and pairs them up with another member and sends <laughs> them both an email along with the bio information that they filled out when they joined. Right. And my request to them is listen, Try and find 20 minutes this week. 
try and find 20 minutes and connect. There's a, an audio chat feature in the community. Okay. Try and connect via audio chat or connect via Zoom or FaceTime and just get to know each other a little bit. If you're both busy, if you're in different, because we do, we have some people in, in Australia, shout out Paul Sutton. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so we've got people from all over the world. We've got 27 countries represented already. Nice. Uh, so, you know, if, if time zones don't match up, even if you exchange a couple emails back and forth, just to get to know each other, people are loving the fact that they are encountering photographers in parts of the world, number one, that they know very little about, but more importantly, they're finding out that those photographers deal with the same issues, same mistakes, same struggles, same anxieties that they are. And it's actually very empowering for people. You know, it's to me, I am a nerd. That's one of the greatest things about the internet in general. It makes the world so small. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Without the internet, I never would have met you. I wouldn't no. be talking trash behind Glenn's back. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I, who would have known, right? So, you know, it's, uh, that's the great part about this kind of stuff. So we really do. We push the idea that, Hey, you know, you're going to, you're going to get to know people. Awesome. Oh, well, mate, I, I, I really do wish you all the best with it. And Thank you. Uh, it, certainly, it certainly sounds like a, a, a great community. I will have to join up. Absolutely. Uh, my, my problem Love is I'll, I'll end up getting kicked off for not being active enough <laughs> because I'm not shooting <laughs> well, enough. <laughs> the, the cool part is it's, I'm not, just to be clear, I'm not telling people like, hey, you got to have like six posts. or I, I just basically, you, you've got to not have a goose egg. Yeah. At, at the, every six months. So yeah. a comment a post and that post might be a question. It might be a, you know, Hey, I've got a question about this or whatever. It's just the idea that you've participated in the community, um, in something that other people can see and interact with. So not just by logging and looking around and look, obviously people are going to spend more time looking and reading than they are actually saying things and posting. But I, I want everybody to get past that because part of the thing that, a lot of people struggle with, with their photography is that idea of sharing. It's like, what, what are other people going to think? So I'm not even, I'm not even requiring that you post a picture or share a picture, but share something. And my goal is to create a safe space that really honestly teaches photographers how to be a little bit more human and teaches <laughs> photographers to remember that, you know, there, there's other people that are on the other sides of those pictures. There's other people that have the same struggles as you. They're trying just as hard as you. And you know what? We're all guilty. I'll raise my hand too, even though on a podcast, I can't see with my hand up. You know, I, I, I'm guilty of that. It's easy to forget when you're on a computer that there's a human being on the other side of what you're doing. Yeah. And so by making it as interactive as possible, it really reduces that, that tendency to just kind of take the shortcut and be a jerk. Yeah. It's easier to be a jerk sometimes online <laughs> than it is to put in the effort and consider you know, what that other person has been thinking or doing or. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, Joe. Well, mate, thank you once again for, for stepping in in Glenn's absence. Uh, I do appreciate it. You're very the, welcome. Anytime, as always, Bruce. The, uh, the, I appreciate the short notice. <laughs> so uh, No problem. Uh, good luck with Chicago. I hope that all goes well thank you. for you. Yeah, and, looking forward uh, to it. It should be a fun event. Yeah. And uh, we, will, we will chat again soon. All right, Bruce. Take care. You too, man. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Shutters Inc. For questions, comments, and feedback, email the boys at shuttersincpodcast.com.